It's good to be with you uh, today. We're uh, doing some different things with the live stream. We're live streaming the early service instead of the second service. So if that's messing your life up, <laughs> uh, we apologize. I don't think it is, but um, we thought there's several things that would work better to live stream. So if you're coming in uh, online this morning, we welcome you as well. So anyway, I had an amazing week. I don't know what your week was like. Anybody else have an amazing week? <laughs> I like no hands are going up at all. Okay. I had a wonderful week. I got to, um, there's, there's a family up north, um, Constantinopleville, right near Lowville, where Penn and Heather used to live, that bought an old school and they turned it into a Bible school, Airbnb, house, uh, home for students to come in. And so I got to go up there with um, Dallas, Isaac, and my two cousins, Tom and AJ, for the week and sit in as part of their Bible school and uh, Bible teaching. And it was just a tremendous time. And it's wonderful to see how God's just moving in another tiny, you think Panyan is small. Constantinobleville, <laughs> it's, right, Isaac? Tiny, tiny village. But friends, the Lord was there, and he was moving, speaking. So sometime if you get the opportunity, some of you have probably been up there, but I think you would love it. And I heard a good joke. <laughs> can, I, can I start with a joke? Is that okay with you? All right. I used to be such a jokester when I was a kid, and I got lots of, you know, people thought I went too far. <laughs> now I'm very serious, so I need to try to, you know, bring some of that back. There's the alarm. Somebody's got that. <laughs> so, um, this joke is the great debate. And several centuries ago, the Pope decreed that all the Jews had to convert to Catholicism or leave Italy. There was a huge outcry from the Jewish community, so the Pope offered a deal. That is actually not too far off from being biblical. I literally read that this morning, Acts 18. It said that the Jews had to leave Rome by order of Claudius. So it's different than the Pope, but we're starting out biblical, all right? He would hold a religious debate with the leader of the Jewish community. If the Jews won, they could stay in Italy, if the Pope won, they'd have to convert or leave. The Jewish people met and picked an aged and wise rabbi to re represent them in the debate. However, as the rabbi spoke no Italian and the Pope spoke no Yiddish, both sides agreed that it would be a silent debate. On the chosen day, the Pope and the rabbi sat opposite each other. The Pope raised his hand and showed three fingers. The rabbi looked back and raised one finger and shook it at the Pope. Next, the Pope waved his finger around his head. The rabbi pointed to the ground where he sat. Next, the Pope brought out a communion wafer and a chalice of wine. And immediately, the rabbi pulled out an apple. With that, the Pope stood up and declared himself beaten and said that the rabbi was too clever. The Jews could stay in Italy. Later, the cardinals met with the Pope. 
and asked him what had happened. The Pope said, first I held up three fingers to represent the Trinity. He responded by holding up a single finger, shaking it to remind me that there is only one God, to common to both our beliefs. Then I waved my finger around my head to show him that God is all around us. He responded by pointing to the ground to show that God is also here right with us now. Then I pulled out the wine and the wafer to show that God had absolved all our sins. He immediately pulled out an apple to remind me of the original sin. He beat me at every move and I couldn't continue. Meanwhile, the Jewish community gathered to ask the rabbi how he had won. I haven't a clue, the rabbi said. First, he told me that we had three days to get out of Italy. So I shook my finger saying, no, we won't. Then he tells me the whole country would be cleared of the Jews. And I told him we're staying right here. And then what? Who knows, the rabbi said. He pulled out his lunch, and so I pulled out mine. <laughs> That's what the Bible teacher shared with us up there, and I thought, oh boy. I, I got to start with that this morning, right? It has nothing to do with my sermon. <laughs> my sermon is serious, right? So I had to start with that. I actually have a very simple sermon, nothing profound, um, but I think it's um, a very practical, practical sermon, okay? It's a practical sermon on how you can help affect change in America. Are you interested? <laughs> okay, good, good. Whoever said no, I'm sorry. Oh, my. So I've been, uh, in my personal reading time, I've been reading just through Genesis, and um, the story about Abraham and Lot and how they chose to live in diff different, different lands. And the, um, Lot said he wants to go to the fertile land that's down near Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you know any of that story, God actually judged Sodom and Gomorrah because it says the outcry against that city has arisen. It's so great. There's so much wickedness. And Peter in 2 Peter, he talks about this experience that Lot went through, and he said, Lot's righteous heart was vexed. That's in the King James. The righteous soul of Lot was vexed. It basically means his emotions, his mind was continually in a turmoil because of the culture, the way people were living their lives around him. Anybody ever felt that way? Did anybody ever experience that? I think you have. I've experienced that in my own life. And I wondered, is, is, that, is that normal? I mean, I've already been out on a date with my wife. <laughs> when you should be, like, focusing on your spouse, right? And instead, I'm like, people don't, people don't believe in God. I see so much wickedness right now. <laughs> Which, maybe that's good. Because when you feel that, it causes you to pray. And I think, I think part of that's good. But when I read that about Lot, his righteous heart being vexed, I thought, mm, okay, I think I know what that feels like a little bit. 
In America, if you know anything about how America was founded, it was founded by people that likely weren't born-again believers. I don't know. Maybe, the, maybe some of them were. But they were God-fearing, uh, God-fearing men who founded America. And it's nothing new to you for me to say that there's a huge moral decline. Let me just talk about some of that. It's going to sound negative to you, <laughs> but some of it's true. If you look at... Um, I was just doing some... Uh, research on my genealogy, where I came from, my, my history. And uh, I've mentioned some of this before. But I found my grandfather seven generations ago. And I found a, a, a news, it was not a news article, but it was, it was something that recorded his history. And it said that he moved into an area that's only 45 minutes away from where I grew up. And um, bought four or 500 acres from the Indians and uh, was one of the first four families that moved there, and he was a bishop. And um, I know this area. It's down near Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Some of you have heard of this area. Have many of you ever heard of the Johnstown flood? Some of you. Okay, you're supposed to learn that in school. Anyway, at one time, it was an incredible, incredible town where, um, you know, it was settled there. These people were, were going somewhere to escape religious persecution. And they loved the Lord. Now if you go there, boy, it's not the same. And I remember driving through there thinking, this place was founded by people that loved the Lord. And there's monuments to it everywhere. Church steeples that, that you know, all over the place. But the churches are closed. There's nobody in them. And today it's known as a drug town. That's not really the direction that we want America to go, right? Not at all. Colleges, if you look at colleges, Princeton, Yale, Harvard, some of the most prestigious colleges were founded by preachers. And now, when people often, when kids go there, it's a place that they lose their faith. Cuca College down here, it was founded by Reverend George Ball. Am I saying that right, Francesca? I think so. Grant, am I right? Beautiful, beautiful chapel that's there on the grounds for the worship of the students that started there. Now it's used for celebrations, weddings, which is wonderful, but it's not filled this morning. Not the direction we want our country to go. Are you getting what I'm putting out a little bit? I met a young Muslim man right here in Penyan. Um, he was from Saudi Arabia, and we would talk occasionally and I had uh, a meal with him, and he said, I asked him what's surprising about America. And he said, well, I'm a student here at Cuca College, and I heard that America was Christian. And he said, uh, one of the professors in my class, he asked, if there's anyone in the class that believes in God, would you raise your hand? And he said, not a single person in my class raised their hand. Not a single one. 
Pinyin, our village, our village was actually founded by a group of people, strange beliefs, but they were, they were going someplace um, because they were a God-fearing people. Abraham Wagner, he founded Pinyin. This entire area was settled by, by those people. But now, there's a lot of kids who have no knowledge of God. No, no knowledge. <laughs> I, I tried to pray for a young girl because she, you know, if somebody shows up in front of you and they say, I got a splitting headache, you should probably pray for them, right? So I said, oh, well, that's amazing. I see God heal headaches all the time. Can I pray for you? And she's like, no. <laughs> Why not? You probably believe in God or some deity. <laughs> oh, no, right here in my own town. I mean, I, 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 I know that's happening. But I don't like to see that, okay? It grieves my heart. Am I making sense to you? All right. That's one I want to talk about. It grieves my heart. What in the world can you do? Is there something that you could do? And I've shared this, this, the story of Nehemiah before, but it's a story that it profoundly affects me when I read it. Nehemiah was a man, he was grieved for his own country. His country was in captivity, and he's in another land. The Jews had been released to go back to their homeland like a hundred years before, and there's, I think there's like 70-some thousand Jews back into Jerusalem. But yet, their walls are broken down. And things are just in awful disrepair. And it grieved his heart. Nehemiah was a man. He did something. Now, I don't think just any of us can choose to be Nehemiah. I think there are things we can choose. I think that's an anointing that God gives to individuals to actually rally a country or rally a city to rebuild walls of protection. That's what Nehemiah did. He went back and in like 50 days, he had rallied the people to do something that they hadn't done in over 100 years. 100 years, 54 days. They did something that they hadn't done for 100 years. And America's walls, it feels like they've been broken down. The empty church buildings and the church spires, it feels like a monument to the past. And now I know that Christianity is exploding worldwide, but I have a love for America that I can't shut down. And so something breaks inside. But what can I do? It's just me. It's just you. What if we could affect change? What if we could? In the story of Nehemiah, there's something where it says how they rebuilt walls. Do you know how they rebuilt walls? I have it underlined in my Bible because I'm not sure what chapter it is. But it says that so-and-so rebuilt the wall. And then it says in front of his own house. So-and-so rebuilt the wall in front of his own house. So-and-so rebuilt the wall opposite his house, down the street from his house. It's things that were right there. They could have stepped out and done it years and years before. Just needed somebody to rally them to actually, let's do this now. Let's stop waiting. Let's give us protection. Let's build something. Let's rebuild our country. 
Everybody did it in front of their house. So how could I rebuild walls in front of my own house? And I'm thinking as a father because that's what I, that's, I'm a father, okay? So some of this is just to dads. And if you're a mom, you can take it too. And if you're not, find something to grab a hold of, right? Because there's something that all of us have in it. As a father, part of building the wall in front of my own house is I can start by choosing to live a life, live and model a life of honesty, purity, and righteousness. If you're a dad and you choose to live like that, that in itself will be a mighty wall in front of your own house. Can we just start by something that practical? Look at Micah 6.8. Maybe we can get it up on the board. Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? three things in that. Let's look at justly. Justly really means honesty. It's the same as in Proverbs. It talks about a just weight. Is the Lord's, because there's people that would, they would sit on the street, and if, if I've gotten to walk the streets of Jerusalem, and every single, it's not, nothing's changed in a thousand years, it seems like, because everybody's still out with spices, Everybody's still out with all the things lining the streets. And if you buy something, they'll grab a scoop of it and put it on the scales. And what people would do to get out ahead, they would drill holes in the bottom of their weights and then cover it over. So what should have been, they don't have pounds, but what should have been 16 ounces instead was 14 ounces. And it was just their way of cleverly getting ahead. Justly is honesty. That's something the Lord requires. Honesty in every area, full of integrity. If you choose to live a life that's full of integrity, it'll affect your family. It's part of building a wall in front of your own house that'll bring your children protection. It'll bring protection for your family. Love, mercy is the next one. Love, mercy is, is basically kindness. Kindness. God is incredibly merciful, and he wants his children to be merciful as well. There's different places that Jesus would say in Matthew. He said, um, go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. There's, there's times when... <laughs> Somebody deserves something. They got it coming. They asked for it, and now they got it coming. And you could give it to them. You could give it to them right now. But I think there's something that trips God's heart. When we give mercy to those that don't, be, don't deserve it. Even your children. 
because he's got a merciful heart. You can fit the tough old dad who holds the line, rules his house with an iron fist. Or you can choose to be a man of mercy. If you're a man of mercy, if you're a father of mercy, you'll build a powerful wall in front of your own house. You'll affect your children. You'll give them protection. Walk humbly with this God. Humility. Here's, here's just a good way to think of it simply. How do you know if you're humble or if you're proud? Huh? Is it because you only think of yourself? I don't know. Here's a good test. Humility continually looks out for the good of others. Pride continually looks out for the good of myself. Where are you? It, Kind of just shows you a test. Walk humbly. The next one. As a father, part of building the wall in front of my house is um, Psalm 3411. We're going to look at that. Psalm 3411 says, Come, my children, listen to me. And I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, there's some people that um, think the fear of the Lord is an outdated thing. It's in the Old Testament. It's also in the New. It's an outdated term that we don't really uh, need anymore. And I, I just don't think you should listen to them. <laughs> the fear of the Lord, it's nothing about being frightened. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It's much more a, a thing of reverence. Um, it's an understanding that he, has, he is God. And he has the power of life and death. He's the judge of good and evil. And that each one of us, you, every person in the room, will stand in front of God and give an account for their life. That's the fear of the Lord. And we often just term it with something about being frightened or unapproachable. That's not what we're talking about. Not at all. How do you teach your children the fear of the Lord? Because if you do it, it's a powerful, strong wall that's in front of your house. Well, here's what I try to do in my house. I try to gather my children sometime in the day. Uh, we have a time where we gather them, and I read them a Bible story, okay? We read a Bible story together. What does that do? I, I don't know, what does that do? I think over a long period of time, it shapes in their mind who God is, and that God is always near to us, that he's not somebody that's far away. I think it teaches your children that he sees that he sees, that there's nothing that escapes his eye. If you don't do this, don't feel any condemnation. Just try it for a week. Just, just, just try it. Try it for a week. I think if you put something like this into the life of your home, you will build a massive wall for your children. 
that someday when they go off to college, they won't be part of the statistics that says, well, you know, so-and-so, if they go to, you know, you just lose your faith. No. I think, I think, I think this is something that all of us can do. <clears throat> the third one, as a father, part of building the wall in front of your own house is pray every day for your children. Ephesians 1.16 says this. If you put that up on the board, this is Paul writing. I do not cease to give thanks for you Continually making mention of you in my prayers. Here's, here's one more thing. Pray for your children every day by name. <laughs> it says, making mention of you in my prayers. I still remember. I think it has a power effect, powerful effect to have your father, your mother, calling your name in a prayer. I, know, I remember how it affected me when I'd hear my father pray for me, say my name, and, and just pray about my life. I, remember, I can still remember some of that. Maybe you didn't have that. Maybe you never got to experience that. Give your children the experience. Give them the experience. Because if you will, it's a powerful wall. Here I am. I'm 36 years old. And I can still remember some of the prayers that my father prayed over me when I'm a little boy. Are you guys okay? Y'all looked a little like shocked or something. <laughs> Pray for your children and call them by name. And allow the Lord to speak over that child during that prayer. Do you know it's something that the Jewish community still does to this day? On the Sabbath, they'll bless each child. Each child has their own time where the father lays hands on them and speaks a blessing over their life. That has an effect. A beautiful effect. <clears throat> All right. As a Christian, you don't have to be a father or a mother for this one. What's part of building the wall in front of your house for you, for our country? Did you ever hear somebody say, you have no, ro uh, you have no um, permission to complain about your country if you don't vote? Did you ever hear somebody say that? I agree, but let's just change it a little bit. You have no permission to complain about your government if you don't pray for them. If you don't pray for them, let's go to 1 Timothy 2.1. And we'll read that, 1 Timothy 2.1. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that all supplications, prayers, Intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. The next, the next verse, you have that. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life 
in all godliness and reverence. <clears throat> I don't know if you have about America. If you have, it'll be what it'll be. Well, I guess it is what it is. Do you have that kind of mindset? Or do you actually pray because you believe something could change? If you have the, it'll be what it'll be, I guess that's what will happen. That's actually not a biblical mindset. Did you know that? That's a lot more like the Muslims actually believe. They believe that if they have an accident in the road, if they, anything that happens, they say, Allah willed it. God willed it. That's not biblical. And sometimes we allow that kind of thinking to influence us. Take the, take the example of Abraham when, when God met him and said, should I reveal to Abraham what I'm about to do in the city of Sodom? What did Abraham do? He actually interceded. That verse talks about intercessions being made. I don't know if you make a habit of praying for our president or our governor or local officials. But we can actually influence change. The Bible calls us salt and light. Salt has a preservation effect. And Abraham worked to preserve even a wicked city. I think, I think you and I can have the same effect. We can be part of building a wall in front of our house. Now, <clears throat> if you build a wall in front of your house, it might not be that much. But what if 30 other people join you? You can make a difference in a community. <clears throat> right? And together, you can be build, begin building a wall. What do you think would happen if every Christian in America would actually begin doing 1 Timothy 2.1? Actually begin praying for our government. I've complained, man. I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone. It's been periods of time that I was just filled with too much anger to pray. <laughs> Have you ever felt that? <laughs> Guys, what if all these things, what if we just tried them for one week? If there's a place, anything that I mentioned this morning, if there's, if there's a place that you're like, you know what, I, I could try that, I could do that, why don't you just try it for a week? Just this coming week, Every day, commit to pray for our leaders in our country, all those who are in authority. Why don't you do that? And if you don't already, just pray for your children by name. Make a mention of them. Pray for each of them by name. Lay your hand on their head. Read them a Bible story. Just start somewhere. Maybe all of you do already. But I think it's part of putting the fear of God in their lives. And suddenly they begin to develop who this God is they hear about. And the stories that Jesus does, suddenly they see who God is. Because remember, Jesus, he's the perfect representation of who God really is. Why don't you stand up? <clears throat> Thank you.
One more I'm going to give you real quick. Part of building your wall. If you're a young adult, if you're a youth, this week, um, up at the Bible school we were at, they practiced two-way journaling, and I don't know if you know what that is, but two-way journaling is you just sit down and you have Jesus time, where either you're reading from the Word, you hear from the Lord, you write it out, and then you write in a response, and it's just time back and forth with God. My nephew does that very consistently, and he actually sends them to me, and he's just like, hey, I want to be accountable. <laughs> that, I mean, that's pretty amazing. But I think in your formative years, when you're younger than 18, you can build disciplines in your life. If you build them now, uh, they'll serve you for a lifetime. It'll be as a mighty wall because you're establishing something when you're young and you're still trainable. <laughs> you're trainable after that, but I know for myself, it's so much more difficult to start new things in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s. You'll do yourself a great, great service if you start. Psalm 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I won't sin against you. Start establishing things like that, and it'll be powerful for you. So let's pray. Father, thank you that there isn't a part of you that feels <laughs> depressed or downtrodden about America or about the nations. Thank you that you're full of joy and we want to be full of joy as well. But Lord, I pray that uh, we wouldn't carry a careless attitude that it is what it is. But Lord, that we'd actually take time to love our own families and lead our families in a way that you've called us to. Lord, if there's anyone right here that's feeling guilty or overwhelmed, let them know that that's not you speaking. Lord, whatever you call us to, you give grace. And so we ask that you give grace. We ask for and receive grace from heaven for this week ahead. Lord, even if somebody wants to put some of these things into their life, give them grace and give them strength to start a process of building a wall in front of their, chat, in front of their own house that can influence our nation. we do pray together for America that you would draw America back to your heart that it would once again be a place where you're worshipped everywhere that churches would reopen that churches would be filled with people who are looking for God who are seeking God with all their heart We pray for our leaders. We pray for President Biden and our Governor Kathy. Lord, that you give them wisdom today. And the difficulties that they face, Lord, show up to them. And we pray that you'd speak to their hearts. And let them know that you're real. We pray that they'd govern righteously. 
and that they'd break down unrighteous laws. We pray that your will would be done in our country, would be done in New York, even here in Wellspring in our own homes. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming.